Hey Church of the Beloved, my name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. I wanted to give a quick update on the status of our sermon podcast. As we move from the separate campuses model back to a single unified church, we will be discontinuing separate podcasts for downtown, South Loop, and Wicker Park. Starting in August, we will be retiring the South Loop and Wicker Park podcasts and we will rebrand the downtown podcast as the primary Church of the Beloved sermon podcast. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with our sermons each week. You can find the podcast on most podcast platforms, and there's also a link on our website at cotb.life messages. God bless and have a great week. Good morning. Hey, uh, so good to see you all here. If this is your first time joining us today, I am Abe. I am the interim senior pastor as of last week. Just, just as an aside, um, my wife really wanted to change that because ISP just is a weird acronym for a person. She really was hoping that we could just do interim pastor so that it would be IP or IPMAN. And if you're Asian, that makes sense. If you're not, ask an Asian person and they'll tell you about it. Anyway, um, we would love to get you connected to our community here. Uh, if you're new and you're online, just go to cotb.life, tap the connect with us button, or you can text COTB to 97000, and we'd love to connect you to a small group, to know our community. If you're here in person and it's the first time here, talk to us. <laughs> just find somebody either with a blue lanyard or come, I'd love to meet you in person so, and chat some more. And we'll get together for lunch afterwards and talk some more, hopefully. Uh, before we dive into today's message, if you would, let's start with a prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son of God, Holy Spirit, you are great and you are awesome. And we gather together as a body of believers unified in our diversity, seeking your joy, wanting to give you all the praise, wanting to give you all the honor, all the glory. May the words of my mouth forever be a conduit of your truth alone, God. And may this time be enlightening to your beloved children and satisfying to you, Lord. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Um, Today we're coming towards um, the closing of Paul's letter again, this epistle of joy. And last week we looked at how we're called to rejoice in the Lord, how we're called to rejoice through reconciliation. Um, because we're a family, unified in our diversity. How we're called to rejoice through reasonableness. You know, reasonableness, which can be like an unexpected response to bad situations. And how we're called to rejoice by relying on this massive truth that our God reigns. And that all of this is by the power of the Holy Spirit within each of the beloved of God made available to us through prayer. What I want to do this week is look deeper at this concept of getting practical, applying scripture, because Paul wants those who are reading and hearing this epistle of joy to understand that what we've learned, what he's been teaching, we have to apply it to our lives. In other words, what we've learned, we must live. We have to go from a systematic theology to a street-level theology. We have to understand that faith without works is not faith. 
there's a well-known story of Jesus. He's washing the feet of his disciples. And afterwards, after he's washed their feet, he explains that he wants this to be so much more than just a metaphor. His washing of their feet was an example. John chapter 13, verse 17, he simply says this, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Because what they just learned, <laughs> they have to live. And I'll say it again, because if you are taking notes, this is it. That's the one takeaway for today. What we've learned, we must live. There's a phrase I recently heard. It's not mine. I'm not sure where it came from. But simply stated as this, what we think matters. And it matters more than we think. And the truth we cling to in our minds are going to drive the actions we live out in our day to day. And Jesus understood this because over and over again, he, he reframed the truth of the original law. Jesus pointed out uh, that it was our heart and our thoughts at the core of who we are and what we do. You know, for example, he would point out, adultery is not limited to just the physical act itself. It includes letting those immoral thoughts run rampant within our mind. One of my favorite passages in scriptures is called the Shema or Hear in uh, Hebrew. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. And simply stated, it goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. It's a call for us to love God with everything we have. It's a prayer that the Israelites would, of old, would repeat every single night. And Jesus quoted this passage when he, asked, when he was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And he responds by saying, love God and love those created in God's image. All right? But if you turn to Luke chapter 10, you'll notice that Jesus, mo not, well, not modified, he clarified the Shema. Because in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says this, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. He added and clarified, because what we think matters, and it matters more than we think. What we think will drive what we do. What we think will inform how we love. What we think will show the world around us who God is. And Paul understood this too. So he wants us to understand that what we, we need to think about in the right things, dwell on the right things. And we need to think on right things if we want to focus on the things that he's emphasizing. Those are the right things that he wants us to learn from him. And by doing that, we can live what we've learned. So what is it that Paul is hoping we'll learn that we might dwell on? Verse 8, reading from the Christian Standard Bible, it says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. I'll say this, if you've grown up in the church or around the church or near a church, you've probably heard this verse before, it's probably familiar to you, and I, as a kid, I remember I had to memorize it uh, growing up. You know, the, we have these six pretty familiar whatever is statements, you know, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. And what I want to do today is spend just a moment looking at each of these to get a better sense of it. But before I do, I want to start with that first phrase, whatever is. Because we live in a very polarized world today. 
a place that's full of anger, full of people shouting at each other, not listening to each other, whether you're a Fox News devotee or an MSNBC junkie, all you often hear are like-minded voices. You know, there's a movie that I, uh, my wife and I watched recently, Social Dilemma, a documentary on the algorithms used by social media to, to, to suck you deeper and deeper into your own spiral, feeding you more and more content based on the content you're already watching or consuming, putting you deeper and deeper into your own echo chamber, dividing us even more as a result. And I mention this because ultimately, Individuals in society, in our society, have been entering into their own bubbles where they are only hearing themselves, only hearing like-minded opinions, sometimes drowning out truth and definitely blocking out a diversity of opinions. I will tell you this, I am not going to say it was better back in my day. It wasn't. It was just as bad. Most people don't like hearing opposing opinions. Most people, they never have. Most people don't like being proven wrong. They like being proven right. They like having other people agree with them because it's easier, it's comfortable. But I think this is exactly what this passage is not saying. Because that phrase, whatever is, I think is quite intentional on Paul's part. Paul didn't write this. He didn't write, think about the stuff prophets are teaching you about truth. Now, he didn't write, just dwell on the honorable things that your pastor teaches you. No. Paul wrote, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just. What he's saying, I think, is whether it comes from the church or comes from nature or comes from a Buddhist or an atheist, or from a Black Lives Matter advocate, or from a vegan. God can still use and does use the entirety of the world, which is in his hands, to inform us of the beauty of his creation and the awesomeness of his grace. Everything. There's a favorite quote of mine from my old youth pastor. Honestly, it's the only thing I can remember that he ever taught me. But he said this to me all the time. God can still draw a straight line with a crooked stick. I was the crooked stick. Um, but God is ultimately not limited by my faith. He is not limited by your faith to reveal his faithfulness. God can absolutely show his grace and his mercy and truth through those who don't love him, don't believe in him. Look at Pharaoh from Moses' time. Look at, look at Herod in Jesus' time. See, as the beloved of God, we must absolutely steep ourselves in the truth of Scripture. We must fully immerse ourselves in God's wisdom provided in the Bible. We have to be baptized like a bueno beef sandwich in the gospel. We have to be fully drowned. And we must understand the traditions and the beauty of the simplicity of the gospel. But at the same time, we cannot, we must not run away from the opportunity to learn from the world around us. We should not, we cannot hide from unbelieving minds of this age. Because really by listening to other voices, we have the opportunity to discern wisdom regarding so many different things about, about truth, about social justice, about the environmental protections in light of global climate change. We cannot insulate ourselves from the reality of this world. But rather we have to, we got to look at it. We must look at the world through the lens of 
the gospel. Because we must be in this world, not of it, so that we can be a blessing to this world and to the creator of it all. To summarize that one point, in other words, do not assume that all these good things that we should dwell on, on the truth, what's honorable, the just, pure, lovely, commendable, do not assume that these can only come from other Christians, can only come from this church, can only come from, definitely not just from me. Do not limit our Heavenly Father like that. Because God can and God will lead you to His truth from anywhere, from anything, from anyone. Whatever it is. Now what I want to do is take a look at these six things that Paul listed because ultimately what we've learned and what he's teaching us, we have to live. And the first one is whatever is true. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14, uh, Paul writes this. He says, uh, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Truth holds everything up. Truth keeps it all together. Where, when truth is no longer gone, when the belt is gone, you're exposed and you're vulnerable and ashamed. And, and here's the thing. We're not simply talking about the truth of the love of God. We're not just talking about truth of the gospel and Christ's redeeming love. Truth, absolutely, that is at the heart of it. It includes the reality of God's mercy and his grace for his beloved. But truth also includes truth. And this is where I think, at least in today's world, it's become explicably harder. See, I can say with all confidence that fake news is not a new thing. The subjectivity of reality is not foreign. It's always existed. Individuals have always tried to share skewed views of reality. There's always been people who are trying to sow seeds of doubt based on lies and misleading half-truths. But... Back in the day, charlatans, liars, could more easily be exposed just because fake news did not spread as far and as fast as it does today. But now, now we have to contend with constantly needing to, to fact-check everything. And it's tiring. But it's what we're called to dwell on. We're called to dwell on truth, to constantly seek truth. Okay. That's the first one. Whatever is honorable is the second one. When Paul says that we're to dwell on honorable things, he's talking about, he wants us to consider things that are noble or worthy of, of respect. He wants us to consider distinguished things, dignified things, serious things. Because he's talking about, we're talking about the difference between ending up in heaven with the Son of God and hell with the Prince of Darkness. These are serious things. The image that came in my head is this. Photos used to be a, a big deal. Today, not so much. I mean, you take this supercomputer that's in your pocket and suddenly you can click a zillion selfies. Photos are not that big a deal anymore. But when the camera was first invented, and even when just film was a thing like 10, 15 years ago, taking a picture was a big deal. So if you look at like old pictures, maybe parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, whatever, you'll see... No one's ever smiling. They're all got these serious looks on their face. When my wife Suzette and I, uh, we took our camera with us to uh, Zambia. We took pictures of the local church volunteers, the children, the orphans in Zambia. Um, and we brought a portable printer with us. We wanted to gift them with these photos. Um, but getting them to smile, these are kids who have never seen themselves, much less seen a camera or taken a picture, but getting them to smile was nearly impossible because 
having their photo taken was a big deal. So they wanted to give it the seriousness. They wanted to give it the dignity that that moment warranted because we are called to consider whatever is honorable and worthy of respect. We're called to consider the serious things like that, to dwell on these things. Whatever is just. Jewish tradition or a Jewish law is built on fairness. Today, for a modern example, just if you think about every single game you've ever played from fishbowl to taboo to mafia, they all have rules. And we may not like to follow them, but we do because these are, because we want to be fair. We want to be fair to everyone playing. We don't like cheaters who get away with cheating. We definitely don't appreciate the privilege of a few uh, over the subjugation of a minority because that's just unfair. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says this. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with our God. Within each of us is a desire and a heart to see justice prevail. The hope for Christians is that if justice does not prevail during our lifetime on this planet, that justice will prevail through God during those last days. But in the meantime, while we are dwelling here, we are called to dwell on and ultimately act on justice. Whether it's fighting for the just treatment of oppressed people groups in our neighborhood or fighting for the environment or fighting for animals, whatever it is that is just, we are called to dwell on these things. Whatever is pure. I'll tell you, this one is, I think, harder for us to fight for in today's world because morality, purity, for a lot of people, it's just not a big deal. It's not worth fighting for. In a world where sexual purity, which is what this is talking about, where sexual purity is juxtaposed to instant gratification and a whatever makes me feel good kind of mentality, sexual purity unfortunately typically loses. One of the things that Suzette and I, we love doing is, well, we do premarital counseling. Uh, we've been doing it for years now, but. The topic that is the most uncomfortable, at least for me, uh, and probably for her too, I don't know, yeah, it's uncomfortable for both of us, is, is sex. I'm not going to spend the time dissecting the emotional and psychological baggage associated with my inability to comfortably t discuss somebody else's sex life. I'm sure a therapist could probably make a lot of money helping me through that. I'm not going to do it. Regardless, we do cover this topic. And for those of you who are going through premarital counseling with us soon, uh, you can be forewarned. It is a topic we will discuss. Pre-engagement, I couldn't care less. Premarital, we absolutely do discuss that topic. So I'll tell you, it brought us so much joy recently to meet more than a few couples who decided to maintain their, their virginity until their marriage vows. See, in the past, being a virgin on your wedding night would have been the norm. But today, it's the exception. But the truth is that being able to, to do this, being able to say that I am going to not choose the expedient, not choose the instant gratification path, to decide that I'm going to choose the path that will give this sacred act the seriousness and weight that God intended of it, that I'm going to dwell on what is pure so that the covenantal act of sex between a husband and wife might truly give me a sneak peek into the joy and the beauty that we as God's beloved children will one day experience. That's what we're called to dwell on. 
Now, if you're married, then that call is to hold on to the sacredness of this commitment with one another, only each other. For those of you who are single, by choice or by situation, whatever the scenario might be, the call is for you not to struggle alone. Because if you're struggling, regardless of whether you're married, engaged, single, if you're struggling with this command, with striving to dwell on whatever is pure, you're not alone. Find someone. There is someone that you, that you trust. With, in your small group, a prayer partner, your leader, a confidant, reach out to me because I promise you, you're not alone. We're the beloved of God because of Christ alone and we're doing this together. Next one says, whatever's lovely. One of uh, Suzette's favorite, and for those of you who have not met Hannah Morgan, she is our welcome ministry lead. She was up front welcoming people earlier. Her absolute, her absolute favorite movie is Lord of the Rings. By the way, uh, before I get into that, the welcome ministry, as well as the children's ministry, and tech crew, and music ministry, we're, we're church is opening up again. We need volunteers. So, this is a little shameless plug. If you're willing and able to help out, please email info at COTB Life, email me, email anybody. We would love to have you participating here as we gather together. Coming back to this, as I was saying, uh, Suzette loves this trilogy, Lord of the Rings. Hannah has memorized the trilogy. Uh, there's a character, in the, and I always think about them whenever I think of Lord of the Rings, but there's a character there, Gollum, who wants the one ring to rule them all. So much so that he's willing to die to get it. This is precious. Paul's call to dwell on whatever is lovely is Paul's call to dwell on that which is most precious to you. And that which is most precious to you, as you continue to allow the Spirit of God to transform you, will be that which is most precious to our Savior. And what is most precious to you should be that which is most precious to Jesus, to what is lovely. Uh, to be clear, this does not mean that we as the beloved of God are all called to dwell on the same lovely or same precious thing. No, what I mean is that what was once precious to you may no longer be as you are transformed by the Spirit's work in your life. You know, you'll, if I were Gollum, you will change from dwelling on the one ring to rule them all to the one king who rules over all. And, and, and with that will come a passion for the things that brings our Savior joy. The things that, that Jesus is passionate about, whether that might be loving the homeless, the physically challenged, the mentally ill, the environment that we've been given responsibility to care for, the orphans in Zambia, the formerly trafficked girls in the Philippines. We're called to dwell on the lovely thing, the things that are precious in God's eyes. Whatever is commendable. This last one of the six it took me a minute to think through because the word commendable is just not something used very much today. But commendable can be defined as uh, uh, worthy of praise or of good report. In other words, dwell on good news. Dwell on things that build people up. Dwell on things that bring people to the joy of Jesus. I want you to take a moment and consider leaders in your life today, people you know people that you're willing to follow, not people you have to follow, not your manager at work or a traffic cop at a broken streetlight. No, consider people you want to follow. Now, it could be a tennis coach, 
guitar teacher, Peloton instructor, video gamer, I don't know. The question I have is this. Does that person encourage you and push you by grumbling and disputing against you or by commending you and building you up? No one wants to follow a leader that only focuses on doom and gloom. No one is interested in just bad news. I think one of the reasons, my personal opinion, that the pandemic, pandemic hit us so hard, so many people so hard, is because of this. Because there was no hope in sight for so long. Because all we ever heard was this, that there, there's no vaccine. People are dying. You need to keep away from anyone. Essential workers are, are being constantly exposed. A good portion of those essential workers are from minority populations, and now they're dying and being infected even more, and more were dying, and we had no vaccine, and we had to keep away. It's just constantly bad news after bad news, and there was nothing good to report. There was no hope. There was nothing to build us up as a people. Whatever is commendable, Dwell on the good news, the good news of redemption. Dwell on the good news of salvation. Dwell on the good news of hope in Christ. Dwelling on these things, thinking about these things, will bring us a joy in Christ that surpasses all understanding and, and will allow our actions to show a Jesus joy that will lead others to want to follow you. This verse reads, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. This is what Paul wants us to learn. This is now what we must live. Because verse 9 says it very straightforward. Do what you've learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace, the peace of God that becomes a witness of the good news of Christ's redeeming sacrifice is made evident when we decide to practically apply that which we're called to dwell on. When the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable, when these things, wherever we learn them from, when we truly dwell on these and allow the peace of God to reign within, then the joy of Jesus will come out. Well, it will be evident in our everyday. We are called to live what we've learned by practicing a street-level theology. I'll tell you, practically living this out, though, like truth, practically living out truth, maybe it means taking the time to sincerely check Make sure that the things you're about to share is based on truth. Take the time to fact check before posting. Practically living out, dwelling on honorable things could mean not watching or watching something other than TMZ or whatever gossip show there is now. Practically living out justice, it could mean taking the time to intentionally seek out organizations or opportunities to, to assure equity for minority groups in, in all things, from housing to jobs to education to access to resources. Practically living out purity could mean maybe saying to your significant other, I think we need to stop. 
I tell you, I don't know. I honestly am not sure what living out, what we've learned will look like for you. But here's the thing. I can tell you this, what we think matters. And it matters more than you think. And as you dwell on truth, when you, as you dwell on the honorable things, the just things, the pure things, the lovely things, the commendable things, the things that are worthy of praise in the eyes of God, then living out what we've learned becomes so much easier. I'll tell you, um, as I start coming to a, a close, over the past few weeks, my wife Suzette and I, we've been doing our best to reach out to every uh, covenant member of the Church of the Beloved to spend time with each of you. Now, now there are eight more that Suzette and I are planning to reach out to. Um, this is a, another commercial break, quick plug. Uh, for those of you who are interested in becoming a member of our church, this Embassy of Christ, this body of believers, we're going to have uh, new member classes. It's a much simpler process for all of you who are members now. I'm sorry. It's really a simple thing. Just email and we'll, I'll chat with you all uh, more about it. And we'll send you details about it. Just info at cotb.life. Um, anyway, I won't surprise, I'll surprise you if, once you email me. Whether it's over a cup of coffee or a meal, Suzanne and I are trying to get together with every one of our members of this growing church. Because after nearly a year of two out of our three campuses, downtown and South Loop, having no pastor to provide care or shepherding to the congregation, it's been, and not to speak poorly of pastors Brian and Steve, they were, did so much in their time serving as campus pastors, and I'm so appreciative of them. But, but as the interim pastor for our one church, no more campuses, just one family, now that I'm in this role, my hope and my desire is for Suzette and I to be able to reach out and to get to know all of you. Because what we've learned, we want to live too. And we want to live out what we've learned by taking the time to live with everyone at Beloved. And I hope you'll consider doing the same with this family, with the Beloved of God because of Christ alone. Because living what we've learned it's just a whole lot easier when we do it together. And it's a lot more fun, too. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to go ahead and close with a word of prayer. If you'll pray with me. Almighty God, you are awesome. And you have called us to dwell on that which is good, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. And not only to dwell on these things, but to live these things. Precious Father in heaven, gracious Son, Holy Spirit, transform our lives so that these are the things that we dwell, dwell on. These are the things that we seek. These are the things that we live. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray.